Welcome to season two of the Nerd Review. This is the show where we talk about movies, TV shows, video games, books, and comic books. Today you're listening to season two, episode three, the Nerd Review of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. This is Ant-Man 3, uh, starring Paul Rudd, uh, Evangeline Lilly, and just so many amazing actors in this movie. Bill Murray was so fun to have as Lord Kylar, and Jonathan Majors coming back as Kang the Conqueror. If you've seen uh, Loki, the Disney Plus series, you're familiar with his character. Uh, I'm going to try to avoid too many spoilers, but this is a review of a new movie, so I'm just going to say, like, spoilers, warning across the bow, you know, there could be spoilers. I'll try to preempt it with, uh, you know, like, spoiler coming up, so if you want to just skip ahead, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll warn you as much as I can, but let's let's jump into Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumanium, Ant-Man 3. So I'm a veteran of all things Marvel and Marvel movies. I grew up with the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies and the Hugh Jackman X-Men movies and uh, you know Ben Affleck as Daredevil and the Electra movies the Electra movies sorry and uh, you know all of these uh, Marvel movies that predate Disney or predate the MCU uh, that was you know, some, some great movies and some not so great movies uh, I'm looking at you Daredevil and your weird karate dance montage in the park uh, but uh, we've come a long way since then and uh so if you i mean if you're looking for like a super critique critical uh you know analysis of whether this is a good movie or not this is definitely not the review for you um i am a huge marvel fan i'm a huge mcu fan i have seen every mcu movie in theater since the first iron man so this is just uh, a recap really and what i liked and what my thoughts are and you know what i how i interpret these new characters and these new things that they've introduced in this movie and where they're taking the story at this point. Um, so I, I like the movie. I enjoyed the movie. It was interesting. Uh, the quips were good, though I definitely miss Michael Pena and Randall Park. Uh, the small cameo at the beginning was great, but as a huge fan of Michael uh, Michael Randall Park, uh, <laughs> I got their names mixed up. Uh, as a huge fan of Randall Park, I mean, and Michael Pena, um, I miss both of them in this movie. Uh, the, the the comedy was definitely you know not as great as the first two. Um, but alas, they had a story in mind and it didn't really, you know, leave room for all these extra characters and the director, Peyton Reed, he said as much during the interviews, um, you know, Michael Penn's character, Luis and Randall Park, the, you know, the agent, I mean, he was even in, um, the Wanda TV series. So that was, you know, he's getting his, uh, his screen time, you know, just in other places and he's still being utilized in the MCU, but you know, they just didn't have the time and the, the scope of this movie was already so big and going down into the quantum realm which we'll get into in a minute um but they just you know they weren't part of this field trip that was basically it and it was a super interesting field trip but that with an amazing uh roster of new characters my favorite hands down was veb who's actually voiced by david desmalchin who was kurt in ant-man 1 and 2 and is super uh familiar with superhero movies he was in uh the christopher nolan batman movies uh, i believe he was in the dark knight he's been in the flash tv series on the cw he was abracadabra so he's been metahumans uh, he was in the most recent iteration of suicide squad so he's been on dc side of things he's been on the mcu side of things uh, amazing actor and now he's the voice actor uh the voice for my hands down my favorite character of the movie veb the no holes uh 
liquid translator type. I don't know if he's a single entity that provides this, but uh, it was very interesting. I would love them to expand on that. Um, they, they really need to make a series of these weird, strange characters that are just so damn funny and somehow adorable, like Korg from Thor. Uh, Disney, seriously, they should just make a series about these weird dudes. I would totally watch that. Okay, so let's jump into the movie breakdown. And spoilers from here on in, if you haven't seen Ant-Man 3, go see it, come back, finish listening to this because spoilers from here on in so I hope you've seen the movie so the movie picks up after the events of Endgame and I'm not sure how much else has happened they don't really go into that mu that much uh, though apparently through some research there is a scene in Wakanda forever if you've seen that you see uh, on one of the newscasts at the bottom of the news crawl that Scott's book is being promoted in this movie uh, he's written a book about his experiences with the Avengers and he's going around reading you know from the book and doing these book signings and stuff so arguably it's happening around the same time as those events and the movies have been progressing forward um, and it gets a bit complicated when we get down into the quantum realm but we'll get into that so at this point post blip we know that people have lost their homes there's this big you know unrest happening from the whole population of the world coming back and we know you know grown up Cassie who is now being played by Catherine Newton who if you're a fan of the Supernatural series uh, she portrayed Claire Novak who was uh, like it, this is a bit tangent, but if you're a fan of Supernatural, there was the angel Castiel, and he possessed this human Jimmy, and Jimmy had a daughter, and that was Claire Novak, who was also uh, portrayed by a, a much younger uh, Catherine Newton. Uh, so like Supernatural was an amazing series, but I digress. So uh, it's great. It's just it's great to see her in this. I, I really enjoyed her in Supernatural, and there was some rumors and a backdoor pilot of her getting a, a spinoff in the Supernatural universe that would have been starring her, and unfortunately that fell through in the. CW didn't pick it up so it's cool to see her uh, you know getting this role in the MCU and it'd be nice to see her in future uh, Ant-Man movies but uh, so yes the post blip uh, world seems pretty messed up there you know people are getting displaced and all the stuff that we've seen already uh, in the Disney Plus series adds to this and it's it's a growing unrest and I'm interested to see how that will play out and uh, so Cassie now she's not happy with just sitting around and you know letting homeless people get pushed around and you know get pushed out of parks and this leads to her being being arrested you know like father like daughter that's how the first ant-man started right scott was getting released from jail and then he was on probation you know during ant-man 2 because of everything that happens uh, in civil war and it is amazing how intricate and interrelated these movies have become it's one of the things as a mcu fan since the original iron man that just like ugh, there's so much good uh you know like interwoven stories it, i mean it feels like a series not just a series of movies but like a tv series like that's what you get invested for characters and character arcs and you know you can say it's not great movies or they're not the pinnacle of cinema but i've been watching these movies since 2008 and i was like 14 and i'm almost 30 and i still you know i i remember all the this minor details and it's a lot of fan service so i i really enjoy that um so getting back to it <laughs> they're not happy she's not happy she's you know trying to make a difference and we find uh 
pretty quickly that after this jail stint and stuff that um, she's been uh, having getting help from Hope and Hank and they've been working on ways uh, to map the quantum realm and uh, this is to the chagrin of Janet she you can see she's a bit upset uh, you know Michelle Pfeiffer's character uh, she having just spent 30 years in the uh, the quantum realm um, she doesn't really want to revisit it or talk about it um, so they've uh, they've been working on this in secret and uh, Hank says that Cassie has built a subatomic Hubble telescope which actually sounds awesome that's just the, like the tip of the awesome iceberg uh, if you could like actually like, so, lo- so much of this like sci-fi you know Marvel science a lot of it it's freaking awesome I mean that, that's probably the appeal and why so many people like it and why it's been written into comic books and and media for so long it's because it sounds so appealing when you when you word it like that like a microscope is cool and being able to see particles and cells and all that's cool and then it, you you combine all all of these fancy cool world words and and you you come up with something like a subatomic Hubble telescope and it sounds so like evocative you know it's attractive like that's what you you want to hear when you're when you're a nerd and you're like oh yeah that'd be cool you imagine that and it's it's all just so you know like the the lighter fluid for your imagination and and it's nice to, it, it's just ah, I love it honestly I just love it so let's let's continue um, so they turn it on and they explain that it's basically like a sonar mapping system they send a signal down and it gathers data comes back up and they can build like a 3d model from this information and right away you know uh janet is like no we have to turn it off shut it down and that's because they get sucked in like they turn it off she like rips the plug out and two seconds later it powers itself back on and there's like blue goo comes up from the middle and sucks everybody in and it's this cool trippy you've seen it in doctor strange you've seen it uh, well in the multiverse of madness and if you've seen everything everywhere all at once it was very similar or ant-man one or two we've seen it before it's the montage of going through all the universes and getting smaller and and things crashing all around you and the group uh gets separated so we have like a plot a plot b thing going on right away and so now we're on a tour of the quantum realm where everyone can survive without helmets or special suits because reasons I, I remember at some point them saying like if you didn't have the helmet or whatnot you would like you wouldn't be able to survive and according to they've just thrown that out the window uh and according to janet they can never see this hidden universe because uh, they couldn't see past the subatomica which is which is actually the name of the universe in the marvel comics so it's, it's uh, this is the microverse um and it's it's called subatomica made up of five planets tran merwood talk Bizk and Core pretty sure I'm pronouncing those right these are all just like made up sounds uh, so the uh, introduction and tour of this new dimension is really cool and it has a lot of potential for future movies and Disney plus series like seriously a web series would be amazing now down in the microverse or the subatomica which wasn't actually said in the movie at all it's just the quantum realm now uh, so that's what they've called it and there are a handful of different races and it said that they are from worlds already destroyed so I assume that there are more 
more than five planets uh, in the MCU version of this realm. Like it's supposed to be like a like a quantum universe, not just a quantum like galaxy of five planets, if you will. When Scott and Cassie finally crash land and they stop like cascading through all the different smaller and smaller universes, uh, I have to say it gave me Strange World vibes. The it's a Disney movie that just came out recently. Um, I, again, this is going to be spoilers if you haven't seen that movie, but just skip over this. But uh, the concept of that world seemed very similar to what we were seeing here uh, in Ant-Man, the way that it was kind of like this big amoeba creature, like this big cell that was attacking them, right? It's supposed to be like microscopic uh, bacteria or something in that sense. Um, and I just got a really strange world vibe. Uh, so I tr I'll try not to tell you spoil that movie if you, if you haven't seen it. That's one thing that I really don't enjoy is that when I'm listening or, you know, taking in one form of media and then all of a sudden they just throw in like a huge spoiler for something else because like why why would you do that I, well, I didn't i was watching that too why would you spoil it so i'm not gonna do that no spoilers uh it just i felt felt very similar that was the vibe i was getting um so the, yeah there are plenty of these weird cg creatures mucking about and doing their things and you know scott gets attacked a couple times before you know having to run for their life because they're these these things are like huge even though they're microscopic which i found that the playing of that really fun like you could be big but also small at the same time so the group is split up uh from the get-go so like Gold one, uh, gold one, goal one is to find the rest of the family peeps, and that means different plot lines for each group, because obviously they won't be going about finding each other the same way. So Scott and Cassie uh, fumble around and fight off some of these weird, giant, micro-creature things uh, until they're... I mean, captured? I mean, they're sort of captured. It's more like intercepted by the Freedom Fighters, uh, all of whom have different abilities, like the flashlight-headed guy. He can laser blast people. Like the like the big metal dude from the first Thor movie, the Guardian or something, I except his head looks like a cylinder of glass with this cool, like, red glow spiral. And it was... It was some damn cool CGI. Like, these folk, uh, this, this had some cool background. It was much better than some of the CGI backgrounds, that's for sure. Uh, definitely starting to notice the the VFX seams and how overworked the industry is right now. I mean, some of the scenes felt like mid-2000s with some of the actors just standing in front of green screens. Like, the depths were off. And, I, and I'm not ragging on the VFX teams at all. Like, don't get me wrong. The issue uh, is over the, you know, overworked, crazy schedules and the insane turnaround times. And, and like, these individuals individuals are amazing artists and they're doing so much work and I mean like before Disney Plus and all these series they were churning out a crazy schedule to begin with and then post Disney Plus it's just exploded with more and more projects and heavy effects and post edits done on more and more shows it's a crazy situation they found themselves in and I hope the artists and the people doing this amazing work that we all enjoy uh, they come out with a win you know and like I was just starting high school back in 2007 2008 when uh, the writer's strike happened and you know maybe it's time for the VFX artist strike to force some changes, but like, you know, okay, I digress. Let's let's get back to uh, to this review. Uh, so they meet the Freedom Fighters who are rebelling against uh, he who shall not be named. Like, you know, it's, it, it's, uh, I've been playing so much Hogwarts Legacies, and everyone was kind of hush about like who they're afraid of at the start. They won't really like say his name, so it gave me these weird Harry Potter vibes. Uh, so everyone is talking. They're 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 against Kang. Everyone, they're, you know, he's returning from his stint on Loki. It's Jonathan 
seven majors um and now he's kang the conqueror the new phase five villain and this is this is the new start for the big bad and we didn't see this with thanos like we didn't see him until the first avengers movie like you just saw like a corner of his face in that post credit scene and you know it wouldn't be until infinity wars that we actually saw someone face off against him but uh, you know this time around ant-man goes toe-to-toe with like this version of Kang and wins or does he I'll get back to that <laughs> so uh, okay so the, the freedom fighters they meet all these new characters there's Gentora uh, played by K- Katie O'Brien who has this disintegration staff and she's just a total bam just like kicking butt and saving people and of course there was Veb who's I mean, his blood, bodily fluids. I'm not really sure. It's this, it, but it's a universal translating substance. That's what's hilarious about it. It allows Scott and Cassie to understand what everyone is saying, and I suspect it makes some sort of, like it sounds like everyone is speaking your speaking your native language. Like if Scott was French, everyone but like because everyone's English, that's what you heard. So like, because it, it kind of sounded like they were speaking a bunch of different languages before they drank the Veb goo, which was hilarious. And there's there's uh, yeah, so that was just that was amazing, and and I like that that trope. And then like you even see Group B with like Hank, Janet, and and Hope. They they take a shot when they they get to their bar. I'll get to that in a minute. But like they drink the same substance and they have this same. I really enjoyed it. Like this, so like everyone's chanting and it's all like you know different language. They can't understand it. And then you take the shot and it's like this this moment of like clicking and and like a phase in and out. And then all of a sudden you can he- you can understand the background. It was it was really well done. The sound engineering. Um, was really good. So then there was um, Gauz, Gauz, I'm not sure how to pronounce his character's name, but uh, played by uh, William Jackson Harper, uh, amazing actor from The Good Place and Midsommar. Uh, he has some of the best quips with his mind reading ability and like, stop thinking that you're still thinking that. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. I could read your mind. Uh, he was really great. I really enjoyed uh, his quips. And uh, so what else happens? So the movie's about two hours. So, uh, you know, we find out that Kang, this version of Kang, uh, was banished to the quantum realm. And this is where he met Janet while she was also stranded. And she inadvertently helps him rebuild uh, this engine core for his, like, time-warping interdimensional ship. Uh, But when it's finally on, she finds out that it's this neural interlock brain interface thing. I'm not sure exactly how they described it in their science magic mumbo-jumbo. But the ship is part of his brain and by touching it she's able to see all the terrible stuff that Kang has done and so instead of helping him she nabs the engine and smashes it together with a bunch of those like pim particle growing doohickeys and it explodes into this quantum mess and uh, we'll, we'll return to that soon so and, and this is also what I was talking about like this field trip this is so this, there's so much going on in this movie it's setting up so much and introducing all of these little pieces of the puzzle and I mean no wonder we couldn't keep up with with uh, Michael Pena and and Randall Park as Agent Jimmy, you know all of that stuff that's just happened between Janet and Kang. I mean, it happens in one flashback, and it sets up so many different things. And like, uh, so like, okay, while Scott and Cassie are getting to know the Freedom Fighters, Janet, Hope, and Hank, um, th- they're having their part, and that's where we get this flashback. So let's we'll we'll, we'll jump on to uh, their their part of the story now. Um, so she leads them, uh, having also spent thirty years down here, a point which will get mentioned at least a dozen times so you don't forget that janet spent 30 years down here they're just gonna keep reiterating it and though they mentioned that time runs differently down in the quantum realm like she spent 30 years here which i believe is a reference to how long she was absent from hope's life but 
it was also 30 years in it's it's very unclear it's never mentioned how long it's been since also yeah it's also never been mentioned how long it's been since she returned since she was rescued from the quantum realm but i understand that a lot of time has happened since she's escaped but not that much time has passed in the real world this is it, it, it's getting a bit is it getting a bit muddled let's let's just be honest so now uh janet takes the group uh to an old hidden bar to meet a contact and this is where we get the great cameo uh from bill murray as kylar who promptly double cross them to the shock to double crosses them to the shock of only janet because it was pretty damn obvious that that was what was going to happen uh but bill murray is always a pleasure to see on screen and he was a funny character i really enjoy these type of cameos that character was going to be thrown away or get killed off and and getting bill murray added a lot of fun to the scene and made it just a bit more memorable for sure uh, the action picks up from this point on both uh, both plots. Uh, Kylar betrays the group and Kang's faceless ro robots. I think they're robots. They look like robots, but they, I don't know. They have their faceless blue face army uh, shows up and takes them at the same time that Scott and Cassie and the Freedom Fighters are ambushed by the same faceless blue army. And, and at this point, no one in the group except for Janet knows what the damn hell is going on. So this is the, after they escape from that bar. Uh, this is when we get the flashback about Janet and Kang and she explains like why she had to become basically like a freedom fighter slash terrorist and she had worked with Kylar and you know it's been you know a lot of things happen and things change and now he's you know he's flipped and he works for for Kang and you know does all of this stuff and so this is when we get that flashback and so close and like I said yada 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 so Jank Jank <laughs> Janet and Hank and Hope managed to escape the secret buyer on uh, uh, Kylar's uh, ship, which runs by like shoving it's everything's like alive right so like they have like like technology but it uses like living organisms it's yeah and and to 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 fly the ship hank you have to like shove your arms into these like worm mouths and it was gross it, it just looked wrong they're like gooey like think of like a giant gummy worm of goo and you gotta shove your arm in it and that's how you fly uh, so cut back uh to the so they they, they escape they managed to get away in the ship uh, cut back to the attack on the Freedom Fighters, and things are not going nearly as well. The robot, I still have a question mark on that. The ro we'll call them robots. Uh, they come in like what they're like. I mean, they're still made out of something. They like, I guess it's like they have technology down there in the quantum realm. It's its own universe. It's it's super vague. Uh, they come in stronger uh, with more ships and seriously messing 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 things. Ooh, wow, I'm a little tongue-tied there. Seriously messing things up, uh, but with the help of ant-man and cassie who ha does have her own suit she shows it off it's purple i wonder if she'll be the dragonfly or the ladybug or something i am not familiar with her character uh in the comic books i have to look that one up um they managed to defeat some of the robot dudes uh there's some pretty cool character arc and exploration of cassie's character she's clearly very smart and very tenacious and she wants to help um but she hasn't trained very much you know for real combat situations for what it takes to be an avenger or a young avenger we're probably going to get the young avengers soon hopefully um so like she doesn't know how to do the the jump and tap and scott has to kind of explain it and he's trying to like teach her how to fight in the uh in the fray of it ever and everything and so uh with their help it looks like they've pushed back uh these robot dudes and then there's some ominous glow this purple glow comes in and stuff starts to explode and we we get modok who 
I, I'm excited, but I, I'll be honest, I wasn't familiar with him until the Patton Oswald series, and I've picked up a few of the uh, Twisted Head head Cannon. I can't remember the name of them. I've picked up a few of them. I'm trying to get my hands on the Omnibus so that I can do my due diligence and, and read uh, more up on MODOK. But it was it was really good, and I enjoyed the Robot Chicken style of the uh, Patton Oswald series. That was the MODOK um, Hulu series, if you're not familiar with it. And it was great. I really enjoyed it. Um, so spoiler alert on this one uh like i said it was great seeing the modok on the big screen but spoiler alert um i loved the twist on modok on him being darren uh cory stole from ant-man one uh the bad guy from ant-man one if you recall at the end he's like destroyed and shrinks down and then gets lost into the quantum realm and so having him come back and being uh it being modok but only um in the post and vfx on set it was actually mark weinman he did the the physical acting i guess for the the cap the motion capture and stuff but absolutely amazing i love bringing back this character uh the way he was shrunk in the first movie like i said it really fits this and there's this villain like montage like darth vader humpty dumpty scene and it was amazing and then there's this weird little modok butt scene the second butt of the mcu is modok's and it's just hilarious it was super weird uh seeing that giant face each time but it was really like the it, it, you have to see it to understand it uh, it was really well done and it was hilarious too. I mean, like, but look at me, I am a dick. Like it was, it was, it was, there was a good character arc again. Like I'm saying, like there was some really good development and it was, it was well-written. I don't, I don't care what the critics say. I enjoyed it. I thought it was well-written. I thought, uh, his part was really well done and, uh, the, I, yeah, I loved MODOK and, and I hope that we get more. And while I hope to see him, unfortunately, again, spoiler, uh, one of the stars they lose for me, uh, but I give the movie three out of five stars. I'm not sure if I mentioned that one of the stars they lost is unnecessarily killing Modok, uh, wasting another really great character in such a small part, which is an offense that the MCU has committed often and tried to fix later on. There's already an outpouring of people demanding that Darren's Modok return and not be dead because he was the underdog hero that no one expected and everyone loved. So hopefully we will get more of this version of the modified organism designed only for killing. Though originally it was conquering. The K was a C, uh, but I guess we with Kang the Conqueror, they didn't, uh, they, they wanted to go for the design using the killing model instead of the conquering model. Uh, so they, uh, they went with that one. Um, yeah, so okay, but backtracking because Modok shows up, uh, to capture Scott and Cassie, uh, because he's the perfect killing, whatever, right? So uh, he reintroduces himself to Scott, and Cassie is all like, Oh my god, it's the B guy, because she still has some unresolved issues, uh, with being attacked in the first Ant Man movie which uh, is understandable uh now okay so now we're like halfway through the movie and uh finally scott and cassie they meet kang who even though janet destroyed the rebuilt core uh when they powered up his ship uh so when she saw all of his evil memories right it was long enough for him to put on his power suit and that gave him enough of his powers back to reshape the quantum realm so that's what everybody's like fighting against that's why there's freedom fighters because kang has come in and he's conquering now this new realm that he finds himself trapped in and he has turned the quantum realm into his own utilitarian empire uh, with the sole purpose of 
escaping from this timeless quantum realm. Um, and this is one of the bigger implications of the MCU. Kang, who uh, has been cast out of time to be stranded in this realm because it is outside of time, right? That's the, the catch here. So though this version of Kang, though the, so if we, if we look at the versions, right, there's this version of Kang and there's the version of Kang we see in Loki and his name was He Who Remains. And if we, we jump around here a bit, but if we look at who we see at the end of the movie, um, so I'm talking about the post credit scene, uh, we see a stadium full of Kangs being led by a group of three Kangs. Now the Kang, the exiled one, when he meets Scott, he says that the he's seen the ending and he's coming. And now I interpreted this as he knows how Earth will end. He knew Scott and he even alluded to Thor. He asked like, are you the one with the hammer? Uh, because he's destroyed different timelines of Earth and he knows that the ending of Earth will be at the hand of other Kangs that, that have like come before or after him on these different timelines. And as for he who remains, I'm pretty sure that that's the final Kang. So the one in the, the Loki series, like after every Kang in that stadium, after, you know, after exile Kang dies, he who remains is the final Kang. So I'm saying Kang so many times. Uh, so I'm curious who will face off against whom and how the Loki plot will tie back into this because the end end credit scene was a teaser for season two of Loki. Um, so, okay, but I'm, I'm way ahead of myself. So Kang... Uh, threatens Cassie's life unless Scott helps him and of course Scott agrees to help him because nobody wants to see their daughter get hurt and as it turns out he needs him to dive and shrink down into that exploded ship core uh, that has created a possibility storm and th this part was trippy as fuck and had some really good VFX of like a thousand Ant-Men and, and like they were all the possible versions of Scott right every time he like you know if he turned left then another version of him popped up that turned right and so on and so forth and there was all these different possible versions of Scott. There was one that was still working at Baskin Robbins. So he's just like wearing the stupid, like yellow pink apron and, and that, that outfit. It was just, it was really well done. Um, so they succeed in shrinking it back down. But of course, Kang was lying and he leaves everyone for dead in the same spot that Janet left him to die in when she exploded the, uh, the core. That's why they were in that same spot. Very poetic of him. Uh, taking Janet back to his base, for reasons, I guess he wanted revenge, which sure, she left him to die and he's crazy. I understand that. <laughs> so uh, Casey manages to escape at this point. She escapes from the robots. She shrinks down. She's still trying to learn how to fight. Um, she's trying to get the timing perfectly. She doesn't do it. She doesn't get the timing perfectly on every punch and jump, but she does manage to use it, you know, use her suit to her advantage. And she frees Gentora and they go around freeing the rest of the freedom fighters. And they manage to start. They mount an attack from the inside. And this is where the big battle scene starts. And it's it's a really good battle. Um, it's it's all in this quantum realm in, in Kang's like empire, which like has like, it spans like up and it's curved because it's, you know, it doesn't have the same gravity laws. And there are these big like smokish, like, you know, interstellar micro portals going on everywhere. The backgrounds are very nice. And so everybody gets in on this fight. Modok, Darren uh, goes after Cassie until she kicks his tiny baby butt. And 
makes him admit that he's a dick and that he wants to do better, uh, which was great character development. And his weird face and his tiny baby, bo- tiny bit, wow, uh, tiny baby body made it really hard not to laugh and pity Darren. And then he sacrifices himself to take out Kang. So like he's good in my book. Like bring back Darren. Uh, I want to see more of this. Uh, the best twist uh, is the help from the ants when everybody got got sucked into the quantum realm. Uh, and there, there was this ant colony that had already had their intelligence enhanced slightly and they were using them to like help build some like you know small you know electronics and stuff uh, I guess for the 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 Hubble quantum telescope Um, and they got sucked in and according to them and what Hank explained they experienced over a thousand years in the quantum realm which again okay like so you guys are experiencing like a handful of seconds but the ants are experiencing a thousand years I guess this has something to do with the fact that the ants were even smaller when they got sucked in but uh, uh, who knows at this point they don't even need the suits to survive Hank is just Hank and Janet are just walking around with no suits the entire time Scott and and everyone's like taking their helmets off and just walking around so I don't even so whatever the ants have had over a thousand years in the quantum realm and they've advanced their tech even more than Kang's and they come back in the final act to push the odds and help the freedom fighters win against Kang woohoo it was a really good montage the ants are just like this giant tidal wave of ants just like destroying everything and the movie's called Ant-Man. I mean, it shouldn't be that surprising that ants end up winning the war. Um, so Kang manages to fight free of the ants, and Scott puts the large... Uh, they, they have a pretty good fight. It's where you get the, the scene uh, from the trailer. You're like, I don't have to win. We both just have to lose. And, like, it was it was pretty well done. You know, it's a sacrifice. He, you know, he's thinking that he's going to, like, close the portal and stay behind in the quantum realm. And, you know, even if Kang kills him while, well, you know, he kept him from escaping and that's the that's the most he could do so while they're fighting he takes so um janet had used the enlarging um shrinky doohickey things the ones that make it big right she had crashed that into the core and it made it explode they use the shrinking one to make it small again so that he could power his bigger ship and try to leave now when scott takes the re-rebuilt core uh he takes both the big and small um pim particles that's what they're called and he slams it into that and it reacts differently it's i think it, it implodes instead of exploding and it starts sending out these shock waves and it grabs kang and it pulls him in and i guess it's some sort of like it's an inter time dimensional spanning thing so it like folded him into this wave whatever i'm just pulling words out of a hat at this point uh, so that's what i interpreted it happening and it implodes and bam the end that's the end of it i mean sort of the movie wraps so they managed to open the portal one more time and save uh scott and hope she came in at the last second to you know save scott and help him fight kang and uh they managed to get them home and the movie wraps uh, as it opens scott walking around town narr- narrating about his life and his achievements and at one point he realizes that kang said that the world would end unless he got out he's like oh, what if i made a mistake what if what if the whole world ends and Ah, now everything should work out for the best and then like the beat picks up and he just keeps walking and it was it was very funny uh and then we get the post credit scene that i mentioned of the stadium full of kangs um run by like these like leader this like tribe of these three crazy looking you know super old augmented they have like 
you know different body parts that are like metal and you know they definitely are from different timelines of Kang uh, and they've summoned like hundreds of other Kangs to this like stadium like I said before stadium of Kangs uh, and that they they're saying that like they're starting to to touch the multiverse and we need to to step out because they've killed the exiled one uh, which is just very interesting and like wow what a movie like I said so many great characters uh, really good quips uh, a Marvel movie needs good quips as a quippy person myself in real life I enjoy this type of comedy uh, a lot and the MCU has basically perfected this type of comedy and I don't care if the internet doesn't like the quips Marvel comic characters make quips just accept it already um, and after all that I think it's like I said before we've met two versions of Kang clearly there are thousands of versions we've met the exiled Kang and he who remains Kang in Loki season one and I'm super excited to see which version we see next and and one thing that we've learned from Ant-Man is these various uh, versions of him can be killed so I'm curious how the rules apply I as how the rules apply I assume the Kangs can only meet assemble or assemble in this like void quantum realm type area and can't all exist in one timeline uh, so individually they would need to come up with a plot that would take a handful of movies and Disney Plus series to carefully put together uh, so I for one am super excited for phase 5 of the MCU and this is a really good starting point there is so much to explore and so many possible outcomes to debate and discuss and entertain ourselves with uh, while we wait for all the amazing movies and series being released over the next couple years I am excited for Guardians 3 uh, but I am also excited to see some new heroes and intro movies and start that to start coming out and you know phase five is going to start introducing the next generation of heroes and I cannot wait to start seeing more of that it's been 14 years since Iron Man came out and it's about time to start seeing new heroes and have their story told and we've already seen some great ones on Disney plus with Miss Marvel and the amazing uh, I'm in Villani I'm sorry I'm not I'm not pronouncing that name properly but she was amazing uh, and we'll get to see even more of her in the marvels later this year and as a, a comic book fan and originally i was a spider-man fan that's what attracted me uh, to superheroes really the animated spider-man from 1994 was still really popular by the late 90s and it was playing on teletoon a lot and uh you know i would rent the vhs tapes of that super iconic venom saga and as a as a kid and a spider-man fan it's one of the franchises that just constantly had some really good content the animated series the recent video games i was still in high school when andrew garfield came around and I really enjoyed his superhero movies uh, his super his spider-man movies uh, the rumors of us getting more Sony spider-man movies is really cool I would love to see the rest of that rhino fight between him and Paul Giamatti uh, that we never got to see I was I honestly feel spoiled sometimes I enjoy so many series and movies they got so many seasons or sequels and some of my favorite series went 15 years or longer and stuck with me from like elementary school through the end of high school and I watched every episode it chronicles my life in sagas seasons episodes and phases and it's all been fantastic and i've been blessed with you know the ability to enjoy so much different forms of entertainment my entire life and to gush about it and to be able to put together this podcast and and share it with uh you know like-minded people i think is one of the most uh fun things that i do and i'm i'm really enjoying that uh hobby and passion right now so that is my review of ant man 
and the Wasp, Quantumanium, Ant-Man 3, the beginning of Phase 5 of Marvel. Uh, I enjoyed it. I gave it a 3 out of 5. Like I said, it had uh, a lot of interesting concepts and a lot of interesting um, new plot points being introduced and some new characters. And hopefully we'll get to see more of Modok and Veb and all of these interesting characters in whatever comes next. Uh, I'm not sure if we're going to get an Ant-Man 4 or however that will work. I know this is the Kang Dynasty uh, and we're in a new era of Marvel. So I'm super excited for that. Uh, and I hope you liked today's episode. This is where we're going to wrap up episode three. I have big plans for episode four and season two of the Nerd Review. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode and I hope you come back for the next episode. Uh, this has been episode three and this is the Nerd signing off.